0: I've lost count, but I believe this is episode 55 of moon P jug and Hobbs. Hi, Hobbs. Hi, how are you? P Jug's still out of here. Uh, She's been gone for three to four weeks now. She quit. Uh, Mm -hmm. She just walked off the job.
1: It was really quite the show.
0: Yeah. We kind of miss having P jug say P jug here, but now that that we don't have that, we fill it with other voices. Let's welcome today's guest matt thomas how you doing matt
2: i'm well thanks for having me on
0: you know matt and i have been friends for a long long time and this was the strangest thing we worked together for the same company in houston texas but we never met uh and eventually we had a job opening for sports on kstp am am 1500 which later became uh, an espn station and so i called matt up and i said hey look this company that I work for, they are the best. You should come up here and work, you know, long story short, they offered him a job and he was here, but it was at such a weird time in that radio station's life because they had evolved away from being a political talk station to being kind of a hodgepodge of a little of this and a little of that. Um, And, and eventually sports didn't fit within that world. So then Matt went back to Houston, Texas, same company. He does a daily talk show on 790. Uh, It's an all sports station and uh, it's the number one sports station in Houston market. Number six, they've got every, you know, massive sports star uh, that's ever played for the Rockets or the Oilers or the Texans or the Astros. And he had a love for basketball and the Houston Rockets was kind of the place that he started. Now you were actually not a play by play guy on the radio, Matt. You were the stadium announcer for many, many years for the Rockets, right?
2: Right. I want to back things up first and foremost, going back to Minneapolis when We decided to move from Salt Lake City to Minneapolis. My wife went online to find a realtor. And we happened to see this woman who worked, uh, I believe it was for Remax at the time. Her name was Jennifer Thompson. And come to find out that she was married to a friend of ours, you. (laughs) And... Of all the different realtors that we would find in the Minneapolis, St. Paul area, we struck with her because she said in her biography that she just grew up in the Houston area. And so my wife thought it would just be a natural to have a Houstonian working on somebody to try to find a house in Minneapolis that happened to have somebody that had the same Houston ties that we did. So that's how we really started to grow our friendship was because not only of our working for the same company, but for the fact that Jennifer was looking to help us find a house in St. Paul. So it was yet another, uh, as Kevin Bacon would say, six degrees of separation between uh, Larry Moon and (laughs) Matt Thomas. But
0: uh, to fast
2: forward to what what you had asked, uh, I was 21 years old and getting my feet wet in radio when the Rockets had an arena job open to be their stadium announcer. And I had applied for the job and did not win the job originally. I had finished second, uh, which I thought was still pretty good for being 21 years old. The guy that beat me for the job was so bad at his job, they eventually fired him midway through the first season. And they asked me to come replace him. And that year, they won. the Rockets won their first ever championship. The next year, Hmm. my first year with the Rockets, they won a second championship. And I wound up doing it for a season after that. And uh, then moved on to my play by play career plus my radio career. And so I left the Rockets after three seasons. And then now we'll fast forward to my return to Houston in 2010 and was going back to do the University of Houston basketball team. And then the Rockets called and said, Hey, we'd love for you to be our Rockets radio announcer or our, our Rockets arena announcer again. And I said, Well, thanks, but no thanks. I'd really like to do radio play by play. And they said, What if we offered you the radio play by play on the road? And you could do the PA for the home games. I said, sign me up. So I did that for five seasons where I was the arena announcer at the the Toyota center. And then the play by play on the road uh, for the radio games. And then this past year I got to do both the home and the road games. So I've come full circle with both uh, my radio career and my broadcasting career in the NBA. And uh, I've been very, very lucky that the move back to Houston in 2010 was the right decision Although I love living in Minnesota, we still have great friends there, including Larry and others. Uh, but coming back home was the right decision. And the most important thing beyond the career was I never have to shovel snow ever again, ever, <laughs> ever, ever in my life. And that is a true blessing.
0: And, you know, this is this, this another strange coincidence. Matt was the uh, in-house announcer for the Rockets in 1993, and that was the first year they won the championship, Correct.
2: 93, 94. I took over in January of 94.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, what happened was uh, our radio station wanted to do a ginormous promotion where we would get uh, a citywide celebration to celebrate the Rockets' trip through the playoffs. We do a deal with Rudy Tomjanovich and uh, Akeem Olajuwon. Mm-hmm. So we did this big uh, deal with gallery furniture and gallery furniture has a guy that runs it named mac uh, mattress mac jim mackinvale and i got to know uh, mac really well and we did the deal with the team and wouldn't you know they didn't get through the first round of the playoffs they went all the way and won the world championship so then jim McEnvale, uh, myself and my partner uh, went to the astrodome when it was full right. For yep. this citywide celebration, there were 70,000 people in the Dome. I was so nervous I was about to throw up when I went on stage. Uh, and we had this gigantic party, and I still hadn't met Matt yet, yep. right? Even though we were this close this many times, it just never did happen. gotta uh, like I
2: a funny story, because I was 22 years old during this time. So imagine me being 22 years old single announcing the Rockets in front of 70,000 people at the Astrodome when they brought them in for the celebration. So it was incredible, but I want to even back up a little bit further than that. Cause you're bringing up your old show. So the Rockets win the championship over the Knicks in game seven. And I go to a Rockets party at the end of the night where I was working a morning radio show on a competitor opposite of, uh, at the time, Larry and Susan. And, uh, I, drank too much mm. i mean really 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 drank too much i got to the party so late that the only thing they had to drink for us besides like soft drinks was bottles of champagne they had run out of everything else so they handed me a bottle of champagne and i drank until three or four o'clock in the morning got violently sick because oh. that's what 22 year olds do when they're the pa announcer for the rockets and they party so i get in my bronco at the time i pass out I, I started vomiting profusely, not in my car, but on the side, but I could, I didn't have the strength to even open up the door to my, or close the door to my car that I passed out with the ding, 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 ding. And I kept hearing it for hours and hours and hours.
0: <laughs> the last
2: thing I remember is I have to be on the air at 6.30 the next morning. So I have about two and a half hours of sleep. Well, the next, the, the, the first thing I remember the championship morning after they won the championship. I had 96.5 on my radio for some reason, and I remember hearing Celebration and Larry and Susan talking about the cha- the Rockets that won the championship. I thought, this is so cool. I look at my watch. It's 6.09. I'm supposed to be on the air at 6.30. I go, holy shit, I'm going to be late for work. And oh, by the way, I'm in the same clothes that I wore the, during the party with vomit stains all over my shirt. Oh. So I... So I drive 20 miles to my radio station, which I had no business doing that. I get to the radio station. I tell my boss and he can clearly tell him in my blue dress shirt, my rockets tie and vomit all the way down my left (laughs) sleeve. I said, I can't be here. And they said, well, okay, but you got to come on the air for one segment with us. And Dan Patrick, who is now our Lieutenant governor in Texas was a sports host at the time. He is peppering me with questions about the game, the party, what I did, who I hung out with. And I didn't remember half of it, frankly. I just remember the Rockets had won. So my roommate (laughs) at the time was a co-worker of mine. He takes me, puts me in his car. I dry heave three times for about 10 miles. I finally get to the house. He throws me in my bed. The next thing I know, it's about 1130, 12 o'clock noontime. And I turn on our radio station, and they're replaying the interview over and over and over again because it was such a big deal. That here I was, Matt Thomas, at this party with the Rockets, shit-faced me, unbelief, that I went to work in the clothes that had vomit all over it, and I still went on the air for a segment. <laughs> to make things even worse, the next day, the Houston Post, which was a newspaper in Houston at the time, it was a two-newspaper town, or down to one. Said Matt Thomas, Rockets PA announcer, was clearly at the party, seen vomiting profusely outside of the restaurant where we were at. So
0: it was a great
2: time of my life, but I can remember like it was yesterday, vomiting all over myself because I was drinking nothing but straight out, but straight champagne for about two, three hours.
1: But, you know, maybe one vomit story oh. per episode, you know, I mean, I don't know. We don't have to make it a rule or anything, but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, proud know, of then, you though, that you, right. that you went, that's, that takes guts to own up to it. Not just call, you know what I mean? You faced it.
0: I think we've all had a slip or two over the course of a lifetime. I try to imagine, you know, because Matt and I have been close over all these years, what it must be like to be a play-by-play guy for a professional sports franchise, because you are in a plane all the time. So how many home games or how many games do you have to travel to?
2: 41 home games and 41 road games. And that does not include the preseason or the playoffs. And in baseball, you'll go to a city for three or four games and the same city in the NBA. You almost never stay in the same city for more than one day. So, We'll go on a road trip, and we'll just use the Wolves as an example. We'll play Minnesota on a Friday, and then Sunday we'll be in Chicago or we'll be in Denver or Salt Lake City. Those are two-game trips or three-game trips. Sometimes there are four- and five-game trips where I will do, like this past Christmas, we had one that went Milwaukee, Chicago, Indiana, Detroit, and I think that might have been um, Oklahoma City. And so it's fun for the first couple of days of that trip, but by the time you get to the fourth or fifth city, You literally forget where you are and you can't get home fast enough. I remember one time being in Indiana this past year, looking at the wall in my hotel room and I did not know what city I was in. And so that doesn't happen a whole lot. But when you go on this travel as much as we do, I mean, during the basketball season, I'm probably gone 13 days a month, give or take. I've kind of charted it over the years. Uh, So it's a lot of time away. It's a great lifestyle. We travel first class. We stay in amazing hotels. We have a big private airplane. We go on. Uh, we don't have to go through TSA or the normal check-in process. But time away is time away. And, and with me doing the radio, the the rockets plus my radio show, it's it's quite a grind. But it's it's what I've lo- I wanted to do since I was a kid, and so I'm kind of still living the dream.
0: Which one of your cities uh, do you always look forward to going to, and which one of your cities do you always dread going to?
2: I love the West. In particular, uh, I love L.A., I love uh, Phoenix, um, Minnesota, because you see my old friends when I get to do that. And last year, it kind of was terrible because the fact that we played the Minnesota Timberwolves was the very first game of the year, and it was our only trip to Minnesota. So it was uh, I like to come back at least once or twice. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the eastern cities. I don't like Philadelphia, per se. i uh, um, not a super big fan of New York, although, you know, it's cool to be in New York, but it's still just a lot of hustle and bustle. Um, I love Florida, but primarily, if you could just take me to the West most of the time, I'd have a great time. Uh, but there's very few places that I absolutely despise. But I would say probably Philadelphia, Boston would be probably, in New York would be my probably my least favorites.
0: Which uh, is the city that hates the Rockets the most. So when you go there, there's such a strong rivalry that you have no idea how the fans are going to behave because here we all know what it goes on with the Packers and the Vikings, that that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. And the NBA, you know, the Rockets are in, are in rebuild mode, meaning they're not very good. So there isn't a lot of that, but when the Rockets were good, say three or four years ago, going to San Antonio was a huge rivalry, uh, playing the golden state warriors was a huge rivalry in, in Oakland. And now they're now over in San Francisco. Um, Dallas to a certain extent, but that'd really be about it. Most most places, you know, they hate the player, not necessarily the team. And so, when you have a player like James Harden with the Rockets had the last few years, it was easy to hate him. But now, the Rockets and are young and trying to build a winner, so there's really not a lot of hatred towards anybody on the team right now.
0: Hobbs, do you have your questions ready for two questions with Putin?
1: Oh my gosh. I almost forgot about two questions with Putin.
0: I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to think about those. And Matt, you can think about them too. In just a little while, we're going to, we're going to do something on the podcast. We do every week now it's called two questions with Putin. So if Putin were there, you got to ask him two questions. What might those, those questions be? So I'll let you ponder that for just a little bit. Who is the tallest NBA player that you've ever stood next to and how tall were they?
2: Uh, the Rockets had a player in the mid 80s named Ralph Sampson, who was seven foot four. And I had chance to meet him a couple of occasions. One was at a charity event where Jimmy Kimmel played a one on one game with Senator Ted Cruz and, and Ralph happened to be there. So I saw him and I introduced myself and I said, hey, as a kid in the 80s, I was a huge fan of yours. So I have a photo with him. He's seven four. I'm six one. So. Needless to say, there was a significant height advantage. But he'd be the tallest player I've ever personally talked to.
0: What about Yao Ming? Didn't he play for Houston?
2: He did, but I never really got to know him at all. I was not—I was either in Salt Lake City or in Minneapolis and at the time. So
0: I remember when I was in Denver, we had Manute Bowl, and I—he oh, was well over seven foot. I mean, I can't even believe how large some of these athletes' bodies are. i remember when i came to houston for the super bowl and i stood next to howie long Uh, he was at a very fancy hotel called the houstonian and there was a huge party there and when i stood next to uh, howie it appeared to me that uh, he was as wide as he was tall i mean he was just a, a wall of a man you know the way that they're Bodies are, you know, zero body fat. They're that big. They're that fast, you know. And then we've had this discussion on the podcast, I think, before at some point of all of the sports, which one requires the most agility? Like right now, I'm going to stick up for hockey
2: Uh, agility. Probably you could probably go with both basketball and baseball. I mean, baseball, you got to you got to jump and dive and defend your position basketball you're moving up and down the court 94 feet each direction doing it a lot extending yourself for rebounds going skying up in the air to go get boards fighting for loose basketballs probably i would lean towards basketball because you are constantly moving as compared to baseball where part of the time you're just standing on your heels ready to defend the position that you're at
0: you know we've had a lot of playoffs up here as of late i mean you know the timberwolves were fun to watch this year and, you know, they had it in the bag uh, and then choked. Twins are looking good. You know, the sports teams here right now, minus You're just the skipping over <laughs> the Vikings. I was just going to say,
1: you're just, yeah, like we're, you know, you're just you have amnesia <laughs> about the season last time. Yeah, I get it. Uh,
0: so when you uh, travel with the team, uh, I got to know, are there groupies all over the place?
2: They're not seeking autographs. They're seeking something else. Let's just put it
0: that way. Uh,
2: They are usually girls that these players have met before in the past, whether they were with the high school or college with them. I don't think there's per se a group of women that just stand outside arenas going, hey, I hope you see me tonight. I would say today's NBA groupie has some sort of relationship with the player. Uh, I know of a player, and I will not mention that first per- player's name, that probably has, let's just say, a friend or friends in probably every NBA city. Sure. And if you are single and noncommittal, and that's well within that player's right to do that. Now, if you're married and you're a relationship, that's a different you know, entity all in itself. But I would say that today's NBA groupie has some sort of friendship with the player beforehand. That there's not a group of women that will go buy a ticket to a sporting event in hopes that a player will see them. Now, I'm not saying it it couldn't happen, but my experience is being traveling in the NBA now for six years that most of them are, Hey, we went to high school together, or Hey, we were in this, we met you in a club five or six years ago. So it's not a blind date, so to speak.
0: And then I wanted to ask about these young guys in professional sports, having so Much money. They could be 22, 23 years old and they are loaded. Now, when you go out on the road with the team, I'm -hmm. sure you get a little bit of time to go hang. Uh, Do they just spray money all over the place? Make it rain? Or how does that work?
2: There is a certain segment that will do the strip clubs, uh, but most of them, and I would say probably better than half are going to stay away from that because you know, when you're a multimillionaire you don't really need necessarily have to go after and chase it so to speak it kind of comes to you a lot of them will go have nice dinners a lot of them are big shoppers clothes shoes handbags that type of thing so i would say the one thing that surprised me from traveling in the nba is the amount of money that these guys will go when they go shop it's always uh, i think it's a priority for the players to be as close as they can to malls and shopping areas when we when we stay in hotels, they love huh. that. So if there's a surprise to me, it's how much money that is spent on designer handbags and and personal luggage, and shoe collection and hats and suits. There, it's a it's a stylish profession. Very few times will you ever see a player just dressed down in sweats and a t-shirt to go out. They usually dress the nines.
0: How much time do do these guys spend? in the gym every day do they ever take a, a day off to rest their bodies or are they yeah. just
2: yeah the nba schedule is very very cruel you'll have typically three to four games a week once in a while you'll get five once in a while you'll get just two so you got a day of practice it'll typically take a day off one day per week where they just won't even touch a basketball uh if the team has to play a back-to-back game let's say they play uh, the Rockets will play Memphis on a Saturday and then a Sunday they're home for Boston. They'll take the Monday off after that. But a normal practice day would be get to the arena, say 930 or 10 o'clock, go get some weightlifting in, watch some film of games. They either had just played or, or an opponent they're about to scout. They'll have about 90 minutes of court time and uh, then they can kind of do what they want to do after that. So my guess is when they get to the building, from the time they get there, from the time they leave, it's about a four and a half hour, five hour day it's it's good for them because when they get there they get massages they get uh meals taking care of them it's you know they have a dietician that will feed them full kitchen it's a it's a pretty nice lifestyle now remember uh, and they also get paid a crazy amount of money but there's only you know you take 15 players per team times 30 teams there's only 450 adult men in this world that get to do this so it's a pretty exclusive club but yeah i would say it's a six day a week job in the season, and then obviously, in the offseason, everybody's up to their own interpretation of how much they want to work out.
0: I just sent Matt a a link that there is a play by play opening to uh, do the Timberwolves games.
2: I told you before about 10 minutes ago,
0: I don't <laughs> want to shovel
2: snow ever again, right? I, right, honestly, uh you know, I have uh, knock on wood, whatever you want to say, i at the number one sports show in Houston. I've uh, been with the Rockets for six years. My company is doing great. My station's doing well. My, uh, you know, in our business, it's about, you know, endorsements and uh, driving ratings and revenue to the show. And I've got 15 endorsements right now. So there would be really nothing, with the exception of just mind-blowing money, that would send me to Minneapolis. I mean, I, again, I really loved living in the Twin Cities, way more than I thought I would. In fact, I probably would have stayed, if for the fact that the weather just really took a toll on our family plus all of our family for the most part was here in Texas. So, uh, but I enjoyed my time immensely. I love coming back. I still keep an eye on the local Minnesota teams and still get to talk to Larry every once in a while, but, uh, I am very, very happy here right now.
0: We're starting to get buds on our trees, uh, which is great. And the lawns are greening up. My yard guy came and uh, did his fertilizer thing yesterday And so we can start, but this has been the craziest thing. It's been just a gross, ugly, long winter that would never end. And even when it did, it was still overcast and gray and just dismal and gloomy. And between COVID and, you know, everything else, we were just so wanting to go outside. So the very first day the sun comes out, it's 63 degrees. I'm out in my driveway just hanging right? And I have a fire pit with some friends and I come back in and I am red as a tomato. I mean, I am so sun food. It's, <laughs> un- it's unreal. I haven't been outside since last October. Right? right. And so, uh, Your
1: melanin is like, what the hell, man? <laughs> Give me a warning. At least go outside for five minutes, start building up towards it.
0: Well, and now we're actually going to have to, we already turned our air conditioner on. We went mm-hmm. from having the heater on early In the week to now having the air conditioner on later in the week. uh, It's just been a wacky, you know, the weather around here is just awful. I mean, I will say this. If you count, and this is pretty straight up, if you count from May 1st to about October 10th, this is beautiful, unbelievably beautiful place to be. The weather is really good. We have voracious mosquitoes, but they're only out 90 minutes a day. Uh, It's clean, you know.
1: Let's be honest. It's a bad relationship. Um, It's always mean for, like, most of the year. And when you're about to break up with it, then it's nice. Yep. And then it'll act all right for a couple months, and then back.
0: We've had a lot of crime since you've left, Matt. I mean, it's been... I mean, this has been like the center of the whole George Floyd thing. I mean, you know, and I could name names because we have a bunch of them. It's not just George Floyd here. Uh, And then, okay, so my son moves to a part of town called Loring Park. There's an app out called the Citizen App. And what you can do is you download the app and then you can zoom in on whatever, you know, city you want, no matter where it is. And you can see little dots on the map. And if there is a uh, like a yellow dot, it's something bad. If it's a red dot, it's something horrible. You can see helicopters when they're flying to crime scenes. So my son moves to Loring Park. And uh, the other night he said he called me and he said, Dad, I don't want you to get nervous. But I heard sirens outside of my uh, you know apartment complex And so I opened the Citizen app, and it said that there was a homicide 100 feet away.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you kidding? No way. (laughs)
0: 100 feet.
1: Wow. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah. I didn't know that something had happened to Trevor. I didn't mean to be flippant towards you before, but Matt, he's been talking about the Citizen app every week for, for a while now. So I was like, okay, yes. The Citizen app, but okay.
2: The hardest thing for me was I lived off of uh, Grand Avenue in, in St. Paul. And, oh, yeah. Uh, during some of the protests, there, there were lots of different shops and restaurants and convenience yep. stores that we would go to that were in flames. And it was sad. Mm-hmm. I was um, – and I, I loved, loved, loved St. Paul, but I have uh, been very disappointed in, in how much – The crime has increased since we've left. And I've been gone since 2010. So it is noticeably different in terms of the culture and what has happened there. And, and, you know, maybe that's a byproduct of every urban city in North America. I don't know, but it just feels like it, it truly hits home. I don't particularly care about the rate of crime in Denver or in St. Louis. I care about a place that I used to live and enjoy living. And to see a Super America or whatever it was called at the time, uh, up in flames over, you know, terrible protest. Uh, it hurt because that was a place that my, I raised my young children when they were, you know, growing up and going to elementary school. And to see this happening was uh, obviously very disappointing. And of course I got lar- updates from Larry too about what was happening. And uh, it's too bad because there's so much, so many parts of Minneapolis St. Paul that we love. We loved living off of Grand Avenue. I loved sharing a a, lo- a a back lot with the movie theater. I loved all the little pubs and restaurants that we we walking distance and a lot of that because of variety of things, mainly COVID, but our, you know, the uniqueness of, of St. Paul isn't there as much anymore because, you know, COVID and other problems that have happened in the last, uh, you know, half dozen years.
0: Hobbs lives there right now and she has to mute her mic about half the podcast because of the <laughs> sirens.
1: Well, I do, but I also live in downtown and I'm between two hospitals, uh, the fire department. There's two police departments close by because I'm right by the Capitol. So there's always something going on. But I mean, crime has just been on the rise all over in the Twin Cities. And I know across the country as well. It just feels it just feels pretty out of control. And also, too, I was uh, we were speaking of Texas. I was in Austin, um, like in March, I think it was. But what I noticed is just not that we're talking about police reform, but I saw the police being activated in the areas down by like 6th Street and down by South Congress and all that. But they didn't use their sirens. They just pulled up with their lights. I didn't hear any sirens at all. And that's in a real downtown urban area. You know, it's right by the Capitol, just kind of like St. Paul. Mm -hmm. It just ratchets up, you know, your defense mechanisms and it just raises your stress just hearing something like that, even when it doesn't affect you. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm advocating for them to use the sirens less. Plus, it ruins my naps when I'm trying to pretend like I'm. At work. I'm, I'm trying to pretend oh. that I'm working. <laughs> Let me
2: tell you something. I I will defend naps till the cows come home. I try to convince my children about it. They don't believe it, but naps have kept me alive and thriving in this world, no matter what time of day it is. Like you know, I'll do it my radio show from noon until three, and if I'm in Los Angeles and I have a game at night with a specific time zone, I'll try to sneak in 90 minutes, two hours, and I, I oh, yeah. couldn't live without NAP, so I am I am team NAP for sure.
0: Oh boy, it's that time for two okay. questions with Putin. It's the thing that's sweeping the nation. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll yeah. only get this with Moon, P. Jug and Hobbs. <laughs> I'll start with my questions, then we'll move to Hobbs. And Matt, you got some time. Here we go. My okay. first question would be, how much would you pay me to mow the lawn at the Kremlin? I would like to know. My second question for Putin: What's your favorite thing on the value menu at Taco Bell? <laughs> I, I wonder if they have Taco Bells in Russia. I would assume they do.
1: I don't know. I can I can Google it. Uh, I'm not sure if they've crossed that border, but uh, yeah,
0: so, so to speak. <laughs> so All to right. speak, right?
1: Because that was okay. their slogan anyway. Dumb joke.
0: Hobbs, your turn.
1: Yeah, I was gonna. It was just Mother's Day, so I was gonna ask uh, Mr. Putin what he got his mother for Mother's Day but then I looked on wiki in his mother's past. So apologies. He probably didn't get anything. Um, but there was also, I found out a woman who claims to be Putin's mother that uh, has her own wiki page and uh, it's being denied. That's not part of the question. I just thought that was interesting. There's just a woman <laughs> out there in Russia just claiming to be Putin. I'm his real mother. I know him. Um, <laughs> the second thing I was going to ask is uh, what's your favorite gift card to receive from what shop?
0: Is he an outback kind of guy?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what chains they have in Russia. Let's see. Okay. So I'll look.
0: All right, Matt, what you got two questions for Putin.
2: All right. My questions are, and I'm losing your connection a little bit. um, Are there Tesla stations frequently found throughout uh, one area? Because I'm going to be buying a Tesla for the next six months in the next six months. And number two, uh, can you get good Mexican food in Russia? (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> it, it dovetails the the taco bell question. I'm going to type <laughs> that in. Can you get good Mexican and Russian? Okay.
0: I think we're losing Matt. Okay. He's buffering. Well, we've lost our guest, uh, Matt. We uh, thank you for being on with moon P jug and Hobbs. He doesn't yeah. just do basketball in the NBA. He okay. also does college football. I mean, he travels oh, wow. all the time. And uh, one day this last summer, somebody told me uh, that I was going to have uh, somebody coming to visit, but they wouldn't tell me who. Okay. And so I'm, I'm going through my contact list thinking who the heck's going to come up and see me. I knew it was summertime. So I knew it could be many people that wouldn't come in the winter. Right. right. Most so people. Right. I tried to guess for about a month and a half, my wife knew and she wouldn't tell me. And the next <laughs> thing you know, There's Matt Thomas in my driveway.
1: Ah, I love it. That's funny.
0: You know, we're going to have a guest next week that you may not know, but we'd like you to get to know him. His name is Brandon. You know, KS 95 for kids was a fundraising effort that each year the radio station did to help Gillette Children's Specialty healthcare and the children's cancer research fund. And they still do it and they've done it for, probably 20 years. Well, when these broadcasts were being put together, uh, we would go out and we would interview patients. And I had the, um, I guess, awesome luck of interviewing Brandon and his family when he was just a young boy. He's had so many surgeries. I think he's had like 60 surgeries. Wow. Uh, He's had so many health related issues. And he and I have kept track of each other over the years. We still talk all the time. And uh, I can't wait to find out what he's doing uh, from when I met him, which I think was when he was nine. Okay. You know, he's graduated, he's working. And he's a success story and just a brilliant young man. And how about that kid last week, the uh, 13-year-old?
1: He's adorable. I love Elliot. And uh, what a a very down-to-earth kid. I mean, he just seems... Like, he's got to have great parents, it sounds like, because he does, you know, being that kind of a genius level IQ, but he just seemed really like, he was just like rolling with our humor. He didn't, you know, he wasn't freaked out about talking to, to us weirdos. Yeah. He was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. He like, he wasn't even awkward like you are at 13. You know what I mean? He was like, yeah, it's cool.
0: Yeah. And then uh, I also got a butt dial
1: oh. about a
0: week ago. It's my friend, Ray. Ray. <laughs> I met in Las Vegas. I was looking for a cab at McCarran international airport and I called and Ray came and we made buddies.
1: I remember you telling me that you befriended your cab driver. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so for the last 10 or 15 years, this cabbie and I just call and talk football and you know, it's just a rando guy that I met and, but he's got the best stories about stuff that went on in vegas he said celebrities in the cab i mean stuff goes on in cabs that you wouldn't want to even know about
1: that's why i loved that show remember when they had that show where there was like they they, it was just like the inside of the cab and then they would later on they'd be like do you want to sign a release like all the different because like they'd get people that were super funny super drunk super horny like all over the place but People always do that nasty stuff around like the cab drivers and like housekeeping and like the people that you think don't see. It's like, oh no, they see you. Mm-hmm. Hobbs,
0: uh, how about you? You got any upcoming events you want to plug?
1: Thursday night, I'm going to be doing a, a thing called Stand Up Raw, which is a uh, uh, comedy showcase that we're going to be filming. Rudy Pavich, our good friend from KS95, is one of the performers and producers of that show. And then Friday I am uh, working with Ali Sultan, who you met. We had him on our podcast um, and I am doing it. It's called date night, but it's the Plymouth parks and rec department. And you can buy tickets, the Plymouth, uh, Plymouth park and rec website. Um, but we're doing comedy kind of like in the park.
0: We haven't talked about what we're watching yet. Are you watching oh. something? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, and I, you know what? it would have been the perfect thing to talk to Matt about because I was gonna ask him if he was watching winning time on HBO because you haven't been watching it, but they just said the season finale was really good. I thought it. I think it's very, very well done. That's been my favorite. I've been enjoying that.
0: I've seen it on HBO because I've been waiting for hacks to come back. Yeah, and that's this week, I believe. Yeah. yeah. and um so i I have seen it. i'll I'll give it a shot. Why not? I'm still stuck on money heist. I'm trying to fight my way through it, finished Ozark, terribly disappointed in the end. I would like to say on American Idol that two guys got through that I cannot believe they got through one. I'm kind of cheering for the other one I want rid of. I'll just throw the names out there. Jay and Christian were absolutely amazing. And there's this other guy named Fritz. Fritz yeah. to me is a dim bulb, nothing okay. cooking there. Vocally, he doesn't have it. A lot of people disagree. He's in the top five. And a woman that could win it has a just a massive voice. Her name is Nicolina, okay. but she's from Canada. And this is American Idol.
1: Wow, well, whatever.
0: I think they should boot her off. Really? Right? Yep. I think they, I don't think that it should be open to other countries. We need to close our American idol borders. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Well, can, can they come from the U S Virgin islands? Is that acceptable to you? Puerto Rico. Okay. We'll take those guys. All right. They're they're okay. (laughs) Just not Canada. Right. You know what? That's, you know what, actually I agree because otherwise we might end up with another Michael Buble or Justin Bieber. You know what? That's a good point. We should shut it down.
0: And, you know, Lionel Richie just got in the Hall of Fame along with Dolly Parton. and
1: I thought Dolly Parton uh, rejected her Hall of Fame induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah,
0: she did. And then she changed her mind and she got in.
1: Oh, she did. She She changed her mind back.
0: Yep. And And she's in.
1: See, and anybody else, that would be a huge controversy. But God damn it, Dolly can just do anything.
0: And she was in the last episode of Grace and Frankie, by the way. I won't tell you any more than that.
1: Okay. Well, that's so perfect too because they were all in nine to five together.
0: All right. Like the podcast, hate the podcast, do something with the podcast. It's <laughs> Moon P. Juggernaut.